Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sundays You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. So how are you, Miss Jones? How was the holiday, your mini break? My mini break was hell. Oh. Oh. My staycation hell. And it just shows the level of accommodation and hotels in this country is sort of stuck in the 1970s. I went to a hotel in the Lake District. It looked nice on the website. It beautiful. It had loads of good reviews. He said, our beautiful lake house, which we've just recently refurbished and everything, and we overlooked Windermere. And I got to the room. There was red carpet, which was stained. Lots of different places it was stained. Oh, that's horrible. In the bathroom, the soap was affixed to the wall from a dispenser. You couldn't move it. There was no fridge in the room. So this is August. How would you keep your water cold? There was no fridge. It did. It looked like a nice... I mean, you're obviously not going to be staying in a travel lodge, are you? I mean, it looked very nice. To it be was fair. over £300 a night. No, I want a bloody fridge for over £300 a night. I, don't, I want a minibar. I want a minibar. So when I complained there was no fridge in my room, the man said, we only have those in our feature rooms in the main house. Why can't you have a fridge in the room? Well, for £300 a night, you want a fridge. You want Mars bars, mini bars, champagne. You want the works. And the food was the worst food I've ever come across. I ordered room service and my pasta arrived, spinach tortelloni. The pasta was so thick and hard and the, it was just... Parcels filled with very liquid spinach that was gritty. They so hadn't washed it properly. So I couldn't eat it. It was revolting. It made me feel sick. Oh, God. It was the worst... I would say it's the worst hotel I've ever stayed in. And how do these people get away with it? If you were a hard-working family and you were paying £300 a night and that was your one holiday a year... And they brought you very thick pasta that was so hard you couldn't cut into it. No, that's not. Stained carpet. No. If you're paying 50 quid a night, you you realise you've got to compromise on the quality of, of, of the accommodation, you know. But at the very, very least, I expect clean. I don't care whether I'm paying £50 a night or £500 a night. I expect The bed clean. linen was just... Awful. It wasn't that with those beautiful crisp pillows and beautiful crisp bed linen. And then on the second day, I was a bit late leaving the room. So I phoned reception and I said, I'm leaving the room now and taking my dogs with me. Can you clean the room? 
I got back several hours later and they hadn't done it. They hadn't even cleaned my room, even though I'd asked them to clean it. And to be honest, the Lake District, there's so much traffic. The the road going around Windermere is like a motorway. The noise is unbelievable. You try and park to walk your dogs and there's nowhere to park. And to be honest, I got really tired of having three dogs on a lead. It's very, it's exhausting. So you expect you'd be plenty of places that you'd be able to let them off? And no. Know, no. It was just exhausting having to hold on to three dogs the whole time. And when I checked out and paid the bill, which was £1,000, I said to the woman in reception, I said, you brought me this pasta that was thick and hard and the spinach wasn't washed. I want you to take that off the bill. She said... Oh, well, everyone always says how amazing the food is. I reckon they've told her, anyone who complains, just say to them, oh, everyone always says our food is amazing, our food is amazing. I'm going to post a review of this hotel on TripAdvisor because it's absolutely disgusting. It's £300 a night for stained carpet. No, you can't hide now, though, unless you actually... Say you are, if you are what you are, and you're clean and you're hospitable and the food's nice. But there weren't any negative reviews of this place. That's strange, isn't it? That's strange. How did they get away with it? I don't know. But did you do anything nice? Did you have a nice time apart from the hotel? No. Oh. Go somewhere nice? Eat somewhere else nice? No. Anything nice? We didn't eat anywhere. My friend made me get on a ferry which you had to queue in your car for about two hours because there's too many people in England. And I got on the ferry, and you know I've got vertigo. Yeah. And she'd got the ferry before me, so I was on my own with the dogs in the car. Well, she left you. She left you. She went and left you. There wasn't a choice. They just put you on the ferry and they shut the barriers. And so I'm sitting there sweating in case I get seasick. Sweating. Pouring off me, literally sweating. And then I'm looking at the trees on the other side of the lake and I'm thinking, why are the trees moving towards me? The trees are moving. The trees have got up and they're moving. Why are the trees moving? You was on the ferry at this stage, eh? Well, apparently it was the ferry that was moving. It wasn't the trees. But because I was so terrified of being ill... Yeah. I thought the trees were moving because the ferry didn't make a noise. So I eventually got off this ferry and found my friend and we stopped at a pub and I was shaking and I made her go and get me a Coca-Cola and I was shaking so much I just spilt it and it went all over Mini Puppy. She now looks like Sonic the Hedgehog. She's all spiky. And I remember sitting looking at all these sort of old people who were going walking and everything and thinking... I can't even have a nice afternoon out. I'm so ill. Yeah. I can't even sit at a pub and drink a Coke. I'm so ill. It's the worry about being ill as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's the worry about you getting an attack. And all I could focus on was getting back to the hotel and getting back into bed and being safe. But it was literally... I would never go on holiday in England again because the standards are so low. It's just disgusting. Did you say I will destroy you? I am going to destroy them. I know. 
I'll just want to your famous words. I will destroy you. So it was a disaster. I'm never, ever going on holiday again, ever. And my poor dogs were so fed up at being on a lead the whole time. You know, they say, oh, it's dog friendly, it's dog friendly. Everywhere you go, keep your dog on a lead, keep your dog on a lead. Three very strong collies on a lead. It wore me out. I couldn't stand it. It just wore me out. You'd have been fine on a board, roller skates, you'd have been off. It was a disaster. I'm never, ever going on holiday again. Stick to Soho House. So I am going to publish a very, very negative review of it and stop people going there and wasting their money. Not good. So you're pleased to be back then? Yeah, but now I'm ill. Yes, you've got what I've got, haven't you? How about you, Nat? Um, well, I've, I've not been well either, so I've, I've literally been dragging myself to the horses. And I have been absolutely raging this week about everything going on it's just awful awful i mean the situation in plymouth is is heartbreaking i mean what those poor people are going through and the situation in afghanistan is absolutely shocking um, i really want to get biden and boris and bang their heads together i i really do and all this business pretty patel was on women's hour yesterday and she was talking about the resettling programme and mostly trying to bring women and children over. And I just feel so uncomfortable with, yeah, we're trying to do a resettling programme, we're trying to get people over, very, very small amount in the first year. But actually, the consequences of the decision has meant people are leaving their home, leaving their families, uprooting their life. It's not good enough just to say we want to resettle them in the UK. Maybe they don't want to bloody live in the UK. Maybe they want to stay with their families, living their life. And we have a moral responsibility. We go into a country, we implement education programmes, we are there on a peaceful mission, and then we just come out and abandon them. Of course the Taliban was going to take over. Of course this was going to happen. This isn't a surprise. And as for that bloody idiot going on holiday, you know, I was pretty impressed with Keir Starmer when Dominic Rabb said to him, what would you do differently? And he said, well, I wouldn't go on holiday. Ah. I mean, yes, that man. No, you wouldn't go on bloody holiday. So I feel like so many people, I'm sure, what? are feeling angry, frustrated. You know, since, since we invaded Afghanistan 20 years ago, I've been in situation when so many left-wing people and they say things like, I don't know why we're occupying Afghanistan, we shouldn't be there, we shouldn't be interfering, etc., etc. And I'd always say to them, no, we should be there. It's our moral obligation it to is, be yeah. there. And if you look at what happened after the Second World War, we supported... Germany for decades and we put so much money into their country yeah. and, to, and to Japan we didn't just abandon them no no and I thought so we didn't abandon Germany we no, didn't, we didn't. Ab abandon Japan and but I we've abandoned speech. Afghanistan it's these stupid left-wing people saying we shouldn't interfere Yes, we should interfere. It's their moral obligation, you know, <laughs> women, children, but people's quality of life, and the animals. Let's not forget the animals. The charity now's ad, 
are out there. They have, it's an ex-Marine, Penfarthing, done an amazing job. He's trained up female vets. He's given them a career. They save animals. They do an amazing job. And now he's trying to get his team back to the UK and the animals they've saved. Because animals aren't safe in that situation. No. They're seen as, 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 as unimportant. They're seen as, as, as scum. They are abused. They are set fire to. They are shot. It's, it's a horrendous situation. And we have a bloody responsibility. And I am raging, absolutely raging. And then Boris Johnson says, yes, we're aware of the situation with these charities and the Mayhew are out there as well. And, you know, we're aware of it. We're being lobbied. We're going to do something about it. When? What are you doing? You're doing nothing. So I think we are all rightfully really, really angry. And listening to Pretty Patel yesterday, saying she's been to Afghanistan, she's aware of, of the situation and how difficult and oppressed women are and, you know, being a woman in power herself... It's just not good enough to think that uprooting everybody and relocating them to a different country is the answer. We should have kept peace in their own country for their own lives. So I'm furious. So I've also been reading a book called Mrs March, which came out a couple of weeks ago, and it's going to be made into a film with Elizabeth Moss, which I'm very excited about because I love her. I absolutely love her. And I think one of the things everyone's saying at the minute with the Afghanistan thing is blessed be the fruit with the bloody Taliban. So she's amazing. So I'm looking forward to that. And this is a book that I would absolutely recommend for things like book clubs. It's, Who's it by? So it's by Virginia Fito. And she's a new author. It's a psychological drama. And it's written from the point of view of the central character, Mrs. March, who is basically very disturbed, having a breakdown. Um, she is thrown by an innocent... She's got this nice orderly life and she's thrown by an innocent comment that someone makes about her husband who's writer, using her for the central character who's a prostitute. She's not happy about that at all. And it just spirals into this complete paranoia. Um, she starts looking through her husband's office... It's, I'm not going to give away too much about about the plot, but it's a very clever book. There's lots of, of, of nods to Hitchcock, um, lots of nods to De Maurier, and lots of sort of different elements in there that, that are from great writers, you know, the styles. She's an incredibly complex character, and it's a very intelligent read. It's something that you really analyze the character analyze the relationships of the character everything is from her point of view it reads like it's set in say the 50s or the 60s it reads like it's quite old-fashioned because it's quite elite it's, it's quite a social thing going on class system um, they've got staff but actually it's, it's meant to be current so that's quite interesting because when you're reading it it's kind of timeless you're not quite sure if it's like 50s, 60s, and then you get references to things like microwaves, so you know it's far more current than that. I would definitely say it's clever and it's absorbing, but it's uncomfortable. Sounds awful. It's, 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 it's a book for people that really like to analyse the character, analyse the psychology behind it. It's a clever, interesting book, but it's, it's different. It's, it's quite different, which I like. I like the fact it's different, and it's doesn't end up how you expect it to 
So I would say if you if you run a book club, this is an absolutely ideal book for that. You don't look convinced, do you? <laughs> How are we doing in the column this week? Well, I have a new man after me in this column. It's actually quite hilarious, this Another column. Another one? I'm like catnip to men. Catnip. <laughs> I was having a quiet Sunday evening watching my new friends on Love Island when I had a message alert on Twitter. It was from a man who texted me Happy New Year, but I'd heard nothing since. This time, he sent a naked photo. A naked photo? Well, not completely naked, but a bare torso emerging from reeds in a river. He looks a little like Michael Fassbender. Yeah, well, okay, well, that works for me. So I replied, blimey, that looks cold. He said he had sent it by mistake, but that was obviously a lie. He said he'd been for a swim after a stressful day. Then he typed, can I ask why the goddess Twitter handle? Is it because you are so good looking? Oh, I replied, no, ha, ha, ha. I named my limited company Goddess as I wanted the people at HMRC to be forced to call me that every time they opened my file. It's a pleasure to virtually meet you, he typed. Shame it's not normal, like in a bar or a cafe. So I will take a leap. And he sent me his phone number. Oh, well, at least there's no mucking about. Crack on. It turns out we're both divorced. He lives in the Midlands. We decided to meet up in a pub in the Peak District, which, I tell him, is one of my favourite places. He replied, well, if you're there, I probably won't notice anything else. Oh, smooth. Very smooth. Smooth. Smarmy, but smooth. I tell him I could ask him a million questions, but it all boils down to attraction. He replied, you are a big chick in that column. Very, very, he's working it, isn't he? He's working it. We both tried to find a pub or hotel with rooms, as it's a few hours' drive for both of us, but everything was fully booked. Would the virus like to find any more ways to thwart my love life? The only slight red light was that he sent a screenshot of a double room and a premiere in for £95, with the message, there is only one room left, We'd have to share. So which is it that you're appalled about? The fact that he was looking at a double room or the fact that it was a Premier Inn? I'm not staying in a Premier Inn. Exactly. We ended on him saying that we'd meet this Saturday and that we would work out what to do. He then went to bed. I started Google Earthing the car parks of various pubs in the Peak District National Park to work out the terrain vis-a-vis hills. The next day, I show Nick his bare torso in the river and tell her we're going on a date this Saturday. Let me see more photos, she says, which I hadn't thought of. And so I open his profile on Twitter and, lo and behold, it says, Sean has blocked you. You can no longer send messages to this person or view his tweets. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. Oh. Oh, my God. Go on WhatsApp and see if he's blocked you there too, she says, unable to contain her glee. This is turning out to be very similar to when I'd just moved to London, age 18. 
A man on Tottenham Court Road stopped me and asked me for a drink. We went to a pub, he went to the bar and never came back. You've not been very lucky, have you? How do I check if I'm blocked on WhatsApp as well, I ask her. She's well versed in these sorts of situations. Message him and see if it goes through. How will I know if I'm blocked there too? Lizzie Bennett never had these problems. You will get one tick, which means sent, but you won't get a second tick, which means message delivered. So I type, hi, Sean, have you drowned? I wait for my ticks. It's a bit like waiting for a pregnancy test, but without the fun part. I wait and I wait. I've only got one tick. He's blocked me on WhatsApp too. I then stare a bit and notice that me saying night on Saturday, seconds after he said we would sort our date, only got one tick as well. What's going on? Is this worse than being stood up by Cambridge man? I suppose at least this dumping was so swift, I hadn't had time to wax. And you hadn't booked hotels and spent money and wasted your time. I mean, it was all... It was the whole drama, wasn't it, condensed into like a couple of hours. But why would someone message you, send you a picture, give you their phone number, say you'll sort a date on Saturday, and then block you from Twitter and WhatsApp? What's the point of it? I don't know. I honestly... It's so far removed from anything I would do. I, I honestly don't know why anyone would but do But why that. would a man do Such that? Such a waste of time. Unless he just wanted to see if you would go on a date with him. He just wanted to just see if he could say, yeah, she'd go on a date with me if I wanted to. But what's the point of that? Is a twat. I think all I've learnt, really, from so many men slipping into my DMs and WhatsApping me and so forth, they're all twats. But it's easy, isn't it? It's really easy for them to, to message you. It's very... Or, or anyone. It's Social media makes it very accessible to ask someone out. There's no, like, being in a pub and thinking, if I asked her out face-to-face, she might say no and I'm facing her. You, you, you're anonymous on the end of a thing. I mean, that might, you know, not even be in his picture. And to be fair, I'm wary as someone that sends a picture of them emerging from the reeds like Tarzan... Do you know what I mean? It's all a bit staged for my liking. You know, send a picture with a pint in the pub. You know, not throwing your arms around, you know, emerging from the But I don't understand why someone would do this to me. When I don't know them from Adam, why approach me and then block me? I think the beauty of it is, is it saved you progressing it and you didn't have to go through all the angst of going for the day and... And do you know what I mean? You haven't got all that angst. He's, he's shown that he's a twat in the first hour. I mean, great. You know where you stand. He's an idiot. How do all these men get girlfriends and wives? I just don't understand it. I don't know. And I don't understand why women are so, like, you know, someone DMs you and then there's this sort of big sort of romance builds up do you know i'm not saying you but i mean in in general social media you get these people i mean like martin's brother he'll talk to someone on facebook and then and then he'll say that their girlfriend or boyfriend and i think that 
that to me was an age thing. It was it was a, a thing that you did when you were very young. But it seems to be happening now with people that are much older. And I don't get that. I don't understand it. I mean, I take everything with a pinch of salt. If someone's complimentary to me on social media, I, I take no notice of it whatsoever. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think we've created this, this system where it's just become normal with, with dating and it's gone over onto Twitter and it's gone over onto Facebook. And actually, that's not what those those platforms are for. Going back to what happened in Plymouth, um, and this chap was an incel. Yeah. And do you know what an incel means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means a man who's involuntary, involuntarily celibate. Yeah. Um, and I do think... There are an awful lot of men out there who can't get women and they're just so angry and they hate us. I think this man, Sean, must hate me because why upset me? I don't know if it goes that far in his thought process. I mean, depending on his motivation for doing it, whether he thought it was a good idea and then changed his mind but he was too lily-livered to say, whether it was like, I can get someone famous to go out with me you know, if I want them to and show off to my friends whether he's just a twat, uh, whether he's mentally unbalanced, you know, who knows, who knows. But I think the key is, is for you to just think, oh, that was a lucky escape, bugger off. Don't take it to heart in that way. Because we will always look, as women, we will always look and say, what's wrong with us? Why did he do that to me? What's wrong with me? Actually, there's nothing wrong with you. Is the bloody idiot that messaged a stranger was ridiculously over the top, sent pictures of himself like Adonis from the... Well, not like Adonis, but that's the gist. Emerging from the water. I did like your thing about was it cold. Presumably was he, he was visible from the waist down. And it's just it's just this, this environment. Just ignore them. Just ignore them. I'm not communicating with any men online no, anymore. I'm don't. just not. They just don't deserve me. No. They're and not intelligent, but they're not funny. And it's always such an effort to see them. You've got your waxing, you've got your pulling around, you've got your outfit, you've got your travelling. Just when you see someone in a bar, if you like the look of them, say hello to them. That's what I do. If you're in a bar, there's someone nice sitting there, say, oh, do you want to join me for a coffee? No, I can't be bothered. I, I honestly can't be bothered. Meet humans, not keyboards. You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You magazine. So how are the readers this week now? Oh, our readers are lovely. Oh no, we forgot the archive. Oh no, don't forget the archive. Well, the archive, we're no. going we're gonna to go back to holidays. So we had a disastrous staycation. It's not really a staycation when you go to a hotel, it's still a holiday. But I'm going to go back to September 2000 when I went on a fantastic holiday. Oh, yay. A positive, happy holiday. Well, oh. I flew from Stansted to Lucca and I was picked up at the airport by my friend Allegra and her family owned this sort of compound in Tuscany where they each had their own little house. So she picked us up from the airport, 
drove us to the compound. We got our own little house. She took us out for dinner in the local town, which was full of sculptures. We spent Saturday on the beach. She then had a dinner party for 20 people in her garden. I didn't have to pay for a hotel. I didn't have to pay for food. I didn't have to drive anywhere. There were lots of interesting people there. But still, the boyfriend I took with me spoilt it. See, you were on a good roll there. It was organised by a woman. It was all sorted. It was it was women all the way. You, so you would have had a nice time, nice accommodation. Yeah, we stayed in her cottage. Yeah. She did all the cooking. And you took a bloody man. Spent the day at the beach. But because I took a man and... He spilt my drink on me in the little sort of shuttle going to the plane, and that made me cross. He was very jealous. There was a man there who was very handsome and famous and connected, and he was sure that this man fancied me. Um, I'm sure he didn't because his girlfriend was a Spanish model who was the face of Long Kong. And he was just very chippy. And you can tell he resented the fact that my girlfriend had this compound in Tuscany where they all had their own house. And he was very resentful of it. I don't understand And chippy. That. I don't understand that. Why can't you just be pleased that people have got nice things? And actually, they're generous enough to invite you and share it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean... Why are, we're not using the word chippy again, aren't we? Are aren't we? We're back to chippy. chippy. Oh dear. So word of the week again is chippy. We can't have it as the word of the so week. So even if you take a man on this perfect holiday where you've got lots of interesting people to talk to, lots of beautiful women, beautiful, <coughs> <coughs> I had our own little house to stay in. Spent the day on the beach. We were ferried everywhere. Went out for dinner. He was very resentful and chippy. Do you know, I think the answer's being gay. I do. I think the answer's definitely being gay. I think lesbians are much better off. Because every time you go away with a man, you've got this aggro. If you went away with a woman... But if I'd gone time, on my own, I'd have had a really nice time. Yeah, you would have. And he was just so resentful... And it's a shame because that was the last time that I went on holiday where I was invited somewhere by friends and I didn't have to pay for everything. That was the last time. I should have enjoyed it more. Why didn't you just ignore him? If he was going to throw his toys out the pram, why didn't you just lock him in a cupboard or something? It's, it's quite hard to ignore, really. Yeah, I don't know. I just Chippy. Chippy, yeah. No, I just sort of dump him on the beach or something somewhere and bugger off and have a nice time. So sorry to interrupt, Liz, but we have a very important announcement that might just interest your listeners. There's another Mail on Sunday podcast and it could change your life. It's called Medical Minefield. Yes, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. And that's with me, Barney Kalman, the Mail on Sunday's health editor. And me, Eve Simmons, the deputy health editor. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. 
So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. readers this week now they are great they've been coming out in sympathy for you because last week you talked about um being jellyfished a lot and and stuff like that so we've had loads and loads of letters sort of saying that that, that's really mean um we've had uh susan um who said hi liz i was very sad when reading your um page diary today don't let the jellyfish sting you. There are so many nicer people in the world and I feel you need to shake off these hangers-on, XXs and others that use and bully you. I've done that in my life. Left the bullies behind and I love myself for it and have more peace of mind than I ever thought I would. I think that's the key, isn't it? Is to just get rid of the people that don't like make you feel good and don't bring something to your life. I think she's absolutely right. I think all exes should be banned. They're I all... think I have got rid of everyone, actually. Yeah, I know, but you keep letting the buggers back in. No, I don't. Off, out, out. So we've also got Laura who says, Dear Liz, I was sad to read your latest mail on Sunday column about haters. Obviously jealous, nasty people. You undervalue yourself hugely and I think people pick up on that vibe. You should employ someone or ask Nicola to check your online social media messages. Don't even read the bad stuff. You'll be amazed how it will change your life. So we used to do that, didn't we? I did used to sort of filter your messages a bit, but it didn't really work, did it? Because you really needed to run your own social media. And also, I think when there's bad news, it gets to you. It gets to you under the door. Um, I remember getting a letter from my old cleaner H, and she'd cut me a cutting from the Evening Standard about this journalist who'd been tweeting horrible things about me. So even though I haven't been reading her tweets, someone still posted me yeah. the cutting. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, it doesn't happen that much, does it, on Twitter? I mean, you know, you've got a really protective lot of readers that are following you that, that are quite sort of... They stand up for you a lot. So that's quite nice, actually. We've also got the unicorn lady. I like that. <laughs> Magic, magical horses. And she says, Liz, you are enough. Don't waste your energy on folks that don't appreciate you. Short, sweet, and to the point, like that. We've got um, Amory who says, Hi, ladies. I read Matt Haig's book after Nicola's review and loved it. In it, he lists his top films and why they've meant something to him. What are your top films and why? Well, I think you should go and work for Matt Haig. The number <laughs> of times you bring him up. But I thought oh, you were sending me off for Bryony, he called her. Go and work for Bryony or Matt Haig. That's not my fault. She's read the book. She liked it. She's commenting on it. You can't... Don't shoot the messenger. Right, so what are your films anyway? I think my favourite films are The English Patient, an amazing soundtrack, beautiful. Beautiful, Ray yeah. Fiennes, very handsome. Some Like It Hot. My favourite wife with Cary Grant. Anything with Cary Grant. Anything. I love all those 1930s comedies, like Bringing Up Baby, mm. My Favourite Wife, The Awful Truth, The Talk of the Town. And I think actresses were different in those days. You know, like Irene Dunn was 
she was a proper mature woman. She wasn't a child. No. So I love Irene Dunn. So what do these sort of films bring to you? With Matt Haig, he's sort of listed his films, uh, um, what each film meant to him and why, how it changed him or affected him. So what, for you, comedy is a big thing, isn't it? For me, comedy and the dialogue of all those 1930s films is just brilliant. And I love The English Patient because it's just such a great romance. I remember crying so much when Mm. I first saw that film. Absolutely beautifully shot. Amazing. One of my favourite films, The English Patient. The book's amazing as well. It is incredible what they do. I think I was brought up <coughs> with a film called... Have you seen it? Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sydney Poitier, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy. And it's a 1967 film about a white family who she brings home a boyfriend who's black and a doctor. And her father particularly really can't get his head around it. So it's a it's an amazing exploration into racism, it's very stereotypes. It's very dated now, that film. It, but at the time, in 1967, what an amazing film. And you say it's dated, but my God, it was amazing. The dialogue is amazing. The approach was amazing. The characters are amazing. The acting's amazing. That was one of the earliest films I can remember, that and The Exorcist. And my mum loved that film. And it really sort of... I didn't know anything about racial issues. I mean, I was a child. And to watch that, it made me aware of of how some people were prejudiced in that and and how awful it was. So I think everyone should watch Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And I like, like you, I like the old films. I like the 40s films, things like... Brief Encounter, Enchanted Cottage, Rebecca. I love all those films because they've got not only just beautiful acting and beautiful dialogue, but they've all got a moral behind them, haven't they? They've all got the sort of, um, like in Enchanted Cottage in 1945, it's a disfigured pilot and a maid who's, in in their words, very plain. And they fall in love, but they're in Enchanted Cottage, so they can't see each other. So they love each other for who they are, not what they look like and stuff like that. So I love those sorts of films. And Dirty Dancing, because Patrick Swayze gets his kit off. Anything with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.